Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. All right, so you have to imagine the scene with me for a moment. There's two armies and they are gathered together. One army is gathered on this hill, and they have gathered up, and they're ready to go, and there is a valley in between them, and there is another army, the army of Israel, gathered on this other hill. So these two armies ready to go hand to hand, right? The sun is coming up. It's a new day. The, the guys are coming out of the tents. The Bible tells us, listen, that they were, they were getting themselves ready. They were doing their battle cries, ready to go to war. It's a great day. This happens uh, multiple times. And, and, and you would just think that, okay, this is the day. This is the day that the army of Israel and the army of the Philistines go out to fight each other. Uh, But in this moment, something changes. Something is different. From the army of the Philistines arises, well, a giant. And he steps forward. He takes a few steps in front of his army, and he begins to taunt the army of Israel. He begins to shout out these things to say, who do you think you are? I mean, you are just part of, well, Saul's army. I am a champion. Uh, His voice, it found its way from that hilltop to the valley. It echoed out like a stone skipping across the pond into the ears of these men that heard these words. And when they heard the words, they went from having this like battle cry, we're ready to fight, we're ready to do this thing, to the scriptures tell us like they were actually trembling in fear. Because all of a sudden, this giant has said something to them. And man, have you seen this guy? He's nine feet tall. He wears a bronze helmet. He has a spear that just, even the tip of it's 15 pounds. He's coated in bronze. He's got all of this stuff. Who is going to be able to defeat this giant? Now, they call this giant Goliath, but his name really isn't that important. Because what I have found is, well, we all kind of have a giant. It just goes by a different name. For some of us, That name may be fear. That name may be cancer. That name may be finances. That name may be relationships. Whatever it is, there is a giant that comes out. Maybe we've started off the day good and we're ready to go. And just like that army, man, our our battle cries, it's going to be a good day. But then all of a sudden we're faced with a giant. And we go from, man, oh, to who is going to be able to to fight against this. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could stay in this marriage one more day. I don't know if I could work at this job one more hour. This boss that's yelling at me and cussing at me one more minute. And there's a giant and there's doctor's reports coming back and they're using words that I don't want to hear. And and it's just kind of, man, you go from being on top of the world to how are we going to do this thing. And so this happens. Well, it happens morning after morning. The sun rises. You get out of your tent. You go in, and then there's this giant, and he's taunting you. 
But then this day something changes as there's this young man that comes and he's coming at the exact time in which the giant is giving his speech and he hears the words, but whenever he hears the words, he doesn't hear them like everyone else hears them. He hears something else and to which there's a response in this young man that's different from everyone else's response. Well, Because while everyone else is feeling the fear, he is like, whoa, 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 who does this guy think he is? I know everybody's looking around, and he's saying, who do we think we are? But the truth is, it needs to be flipped on him, because who does he think he is that he would defy the armies of the living God? Now, there's a big change in here, because David puts out this thing that, he, listen, he's not defying the army of Saul, because that's what Goliath says. Listen, y'all are just, well, y'all are Saul's army, in which David's like, no, 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 this isn't about Saul's army. It's not even about the future, it'll be my army one day. This is about, this is God's army. So who does this guy think he is? And then he says these words that just ring out, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You could just imagine the moment, the passion in his voice, the confidence that this young man brings to the army saying the words that everyone else wishes they could say but doesn't have the confidence to say, and David does it. And again, it's funny because we call him David, but I think later on we'll find that his name really isn't important either. But he says these things. He says these words. Now what's funny is we'll come to know David later as this incredible psalmist. He's, a, he's, he's an accomplished musician. He'll later play the harp for the king when he's in a bad mood. He'll have found that he's mastered his art out in the field amongst the sheeps, where no one could hear him playing except for Jesus. And, and he would play his instrument. And he, he got to where the point came to where the king asked, listen, you need someone to play some music for you when you get in a bad mood. In a bad mood. And to which Saul's like, all right, go find me a skilled musician. And the person that they find is this guy. They find David because, listen, uh, somebody has heard word that, man, this dude can play the guitar. Go find me Randy, right? <laughs> That's what's going on in this moment. And so, so David takes, and here's the incredible thing about David, is he will later on author what we call these psalms. For the most part, a good portion of the psalms, he authors them. But a lot of these psalms started out as, well, simply prayers. It was prayers that a man was praying to his God. And a prayer turned into a song. And then that song well, you know, there's certain songs that just go beyond songs. There's a song that we could turn on the radio and like, man, that was a good song. And then there's a song that we turn on the radio, and it's not just this, this is a song. This is actually the heartbeat of a nation. This is the song. This is the song of a generation. This is the song of an entire people group that whenever these words come out through the airwaves and they hit our ears, they penetrate more than just our ears. They fill our hearts because there's something about this song there's something about when Fleetwood Mac takes the stage for all you 70s people that you were like, this, this is my jam. You remember, just like the white-winged dove sings the song, for the longest time, I thought that song said, for the one-winged dove. 
I was like, what does a one-winged dove sing in a song? It took me a while. But it was just the song of a nation. Now, here's what's crazy. is David has these prayers that turn into these songs, that turns into the songs of a people, which again turn into what? The prayers of a people. Do you see the pattern from this prayer to the song to the song to this prayer? This full circle of like David just saying like, God, I'm pouring out my heart to you. And I love the psalms because this is the place where you go for this absolute brutal honesty of just, God, if you'll just kill my enemies today, that'd be great. Like, I just love it. I love that his heart is just there to see and just pour out. And by the end of the psalms, you'll see that there's this shift of, from David going, of just like, just kill these dudes to like, God, I just trust in you. And like, it's just something about his heart being poured out put to music, put to paper, which turns into a song, which turns into the cry of a nation, which again, and it's not about David's name being great. It's about the Lord's name being great. And so when David walks on that battlefield today, he's like, no, no, something's going to change here. Something's going to happen. And the thing that's going to change isn't going to be for my glory. It's going to be for the glory of God. And there's this moment, and there's this where David comes in, he says everything that the people are feeling, and you can just imagine the passion, the inspiration of his voice, of his words, of is there not a cause? But here's, here's the thing, like, whenever we talk a little bit about, man, pursuing our calling, finding our gifts and our talents and God and the things, we talked last week a little bit about how, like, it could just start out as any other day, and it turns into these God moments, and it's things that lead us to the things and here in this moment, you, you, we find the passion and the inspiration of, of David. Of like, whoa, 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 something's different, something's got to change. And there's this passion that like, like, I don't know about you, but like, I love getting around passionate people. I love getting around people that like, they just have some life in them. Like, I, the dude that it's like below 20 and it's Minnesota and he's got a shirt off at the football game yelling. Like, I love that dude. Like, I'm never going to be that guy, but he just, like, he makes the game better. Like, even if your team's losing, like, just, but just look at this guy. Like, I just, you know, the passion, and, and, and I'm thinking about how much, like, you know, like, one act of courage, one act of courage by this guy, David, literally changes the hearts of millions. One act of courage in which he stands up to, his, to this giant. Changes the hearts of millions, but not just, not just all of the people that were on the battlefield that day, but it changed my heart, it changed your heart. The fact that you're listening to this story and hearing what someone else has done and the courage that rose up in him that day, what if he would have just been like, no, that's a big dude, I'm just delivering this food, and then went home? Like we wouldn't be talking about him. Like the, the, the passion, the inspiration, but I thought to myself, like, like as a church sometimes, I wonder if we're in danger of coming to the church and hopefully, the pastor's somewhat inspirational. Hopefully, like, there's something like this dude's just not, like, the most boring guy ever. And that's for all of our churches. Like, you hope that there's some inspiration in it, too. But here's the thing. If our inspiration doesn't lead to perspiration, we're only fooling ourselves. And what I mean by that is this. You could come and you could watch a movie, you could listen to a sermon, you could hear a podcast, you could do all that, and you could be inspired. But if you're not inspired to movement, if you're not inspired to actually do something with what it is that God's given you, like, we've just fooled ourselves. We've geared up with our battle gear, like, and we've gone out to the field and we've done our battle cries 
only to go home in fear. Like, no, no, like, the, the thing about David is, like, the, the, the passion and the inspiration, it moved a nation to war. It moved people. Like, there's, there's this quote that maybe some of you have heard, and I, I've just thought about this quote all week long, and it says this, if you set a man on fire, the world will come to watch him burn. If you set a man on fire, the world would come to watch him burn. And I thought to myself, man, this is so true. And sometimes, and, and in some ways, it's so sad. Because, yeah, set someone on fire, and the world will come to what? Just watch him burn. And that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about that you would just come and watch. It's that you would be able to join in with what Jesus is doing. That it's not about we just come and we watch and we, wasn't that a great Sunday? Like, wasn't that a great day yesterday where we got to serve all of these people in 2000? Like, no, no, no. The great thing is that we joined in with what God was already doing. Like, God is already at work in the lives of all of these people. All of these ones that are far from Christ, that we're doing our best to reach. And, like, God is already at work in their lives. And we're simply just trying to, like, God, I just want to get on board with what you're doing. I just, I just want to get into your pattern, your flow. And so, like, how can I be a part of that, Jesus? And, and, it, and it's one thing just to, like, be inspired by it. But, God, we've got to do something about it. I remember um, being in Bible college. And the speaker came in that day. And this guy was, uh, he was out of Detroit. And he was awesome. I mean, he had the whole place. I mean, it was like, it, like white hanky chips flying. I mean, it was just like, yeah. I mean, he had everybody. I mean, amen. You were amen and stuff. You didn't even need to be amen. And like, we were pumped up. And me and my buddy Jeff, we were roommates. And, or actually, he was across the hall from me, but we were really good friends. And uh, me and my, Jeff, my buddy Jeff were listening to this, this message that he gives. And afterwards, we're like, man, I don't know. We, just, we we got to do something with this. He's talking about evangelism. We're like we just we've got to tell somebody about Jesus, and we're like we're like all right, let's do it, let's do it. And we're in Dallas, and we're in South Dallas at the time. We're like all right, let's go to downtown, let's go, and we're gonna go just tell people about Jesus on the streets. We're gonna be old school Kirk Cameron. We're just gonna do it, and uh, we're like we're pumped up. We get in the car, but there's about forty five minutes of like downtime between the time that the dude pumped us up and the time we actually got on the streets. And how, you know, all of that inspiration left in about 45 minutes. All of the, oh, yeah, we're going to win the world for Christ. And all of a sudden, we're standing there, and it's just two of us. There's not thousands of us. There's two of us sitting on the streets, and we're just like, you want to go first? (laughs) But there was this moment where we thought to ourselves, we're either just going to take what we learned and put it on the shelf, or we're going to move on this thing. And we did. Like, Jeff started preaching. <laughs> and I started just, like, talking to people that came up. And it was just this moment. And here's the thing, like, it was no life-changing thing for everybody. Like, nobody got saved. Nobody, like, oh, here's my drugs. And, you know, like, oh, and, and all of downtown Dallas came to, like, no, actually, things went really bad. <laughs> But actually, we did change the world because something changed inside of us that night. Something changed because we said, we're not just going to be hearers of the word. We're going to be doers of the word. And, and even if we fail at it this time, we're going to try again. 
And, and because there was this giant in our life, and you know what, we're not going to let this giant's words speak louder than what we know the Lord is saying any longer. And so like we put some perspiration to our inspiration. Now, as a preacher, uh, as a pastor, like my favorite uh, scripture, my favorite sermon, if you will, is, is Matthew 5, where Jesus preaches this sermon on the mountain. And it, 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 I actually have this thing where I save all of my notes for all the years, and I could put in keywords. And I've actually preached Matthew 5 more than I've ever preached on any other scripture in the entire Bible, just because I love this sermon that Jesus preaches. It's so incredible. I mean, just the beauty of this sermon, the wisdom of this sermon, everything that Jesus says, and it's just like, man, Jesus, I, I so wish that I could preach like that. I wish I had that kind of insight and that wisdom. Like, you, you totally change, like, you flip culture on its upside down. You say all of these things like, man, this, is, this sermon's powerful. Like, and there's this kind of thing, this thing amongst preachers where we'll say things like, man, just, just Jesus, we just want you to come and take control. And, and one of the reasons why we say that is because he's so much better than us. We're just like, Jesus, you, you need to preach this sermon because like if you are in the room, like, man, we've, I've read your material. You're good. You're good. I mean, just come on, just take, take over. And, but here's the thing. Here's what's so amazing about Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 in this sermon that Jesus preaches on the mountain. It's not just that the sermon was so good. It was that Jesus lived every word of it. It was that when the lights went out and when the crowd dispersed and when there was no one else standing on that mountain, Jesus lived it. Every word that he spoke, he embodied And whether he was speaking to a mass of thousands of people or whether it was just 12 disciples or whether it was just two or three on a mountainside, he had that passion and that fire in his eyes and he lived it. And see, I've learned this about passion. Passion isn't always the loudest voice in the room. See, sometimes I think we confuse passion with charisma. Like, just because, like, he's animated and he could talk really loud, he must have a lot of passion. Like, no, no, I've seen the quietest person in the room have the most passion, the most heartbeat for God, the person that will stand up against the giant. And often, to be honest, like, it's the quiet dudes you got to worry about. It's the ones that, like, they're just, because, like, have you ever seen the quiet dude get mad? Oh, man, they just flip the chain. Like, it is like, whoa. Something, my brother right here, drummer, like, like he, he, he said like four words to me his entire life. We've, you know, <laughs> but I saw him get mad one time. I, I, I'm just the one who made him mad. And uh, <laughs> like, whoa, bro, there goes some passion right there. You know, like, but it is, we have this idea of like, man, passion, and it has to look this certain way. But in the scene where David walks up, David's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's no battle cries, there's no war paint, he's not blue face painted like Braveheart or nothing like that. He's just like, who, who does this guy think he is? He had something different to say. He had something different, well, to do. This week we were talking, uh, or a few weeks ago, I was talking to the staff about the church and, and 
We are, uh, there's just four of us. There's me and Alan, who is leading worship, and then the, the two ladies here that were doing announcements, Devin and Heather. And we're in this, we're sitting at this table, and we're just talking. And, uh, man, we love talking about vision, and we love talking about strategies and uh, all of these things. And, and if you know Alan, Alan is like, he'll have checklist after checklist. He'll have checklist about checklist. I mean, the brother's just organized, and I thought I was organized. I am nothing compared to this dude. And like we just like we're, we're talking all these things and how we're going to uh, accomplish the mission of the church and to reach people far from Christ and discover our purpose in Christ and and all of this this stuff and and finally we get to the point of you know making disciples and all that stuff and, and I, I pose the question it's like listen guys if we're saying we want to reach people far from Christ and we have all of these strategies and all of these ideas and everything that we want to do that we want all of you doing are we doing it like. Who is the person that's far from Christ that I'm trying to reach? Like, n- like no, name him by name. And, and Lucas, how much time are you investing in this one person? Yeah, you're investing in 400 people on Sunday mornings, but are you investing into that one person that's far from Christ? Because if, if I'm not, I'm missing it. I'm simply just trying to give you the inspiration without the perspiration. And who is it that I'm discipling? Like, who in my life, by name, and yeah, yeah, all of this, but the one person that I could say I'm pouring my life into to make sure that they can go further than I ever did. Like, if, if, if I don't have that, guys, if we don't have that, guys, we're just, we're, we're team, we're fooling ourselves. We have got to embody the vision. We just can't shout about the vision. We have to be the vision, Passion is revealed by what a person fights for, not just what a person shouts for. Did you catch that? Passion is revealed by what a person fights for, not just what a person shouts for. What are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to put blood, sweat, and tears, money, all of that, all on the line? See, what I found is we are a nation that we love to shout. We love to get on social media and like pop in the... And we could shout and we can make noise and, oh, we're involved with this cause because we put a post on Instagram. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not making a difference. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that as, as plainly as possible. No one is going to read your text from Instagram or Facebook and be like, oh, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Like, no, it's not. Social media is this false way of us finding a false sense of identity way too often, especially with our younger generation, a feeling like, oh, because I have a thousand friends on Facebook, then, like, you don't have a thousand friends. Odds are, like, I've got, I don't know, these thousands of people, I don't even know a thousand people. Like, no, 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 like, we use it as this crutch sometimes, like, you've got to get in it. And, And, we, we use this social media, we use different outlets as a way of saying like, yeah, I, I, w- I was part of the solution, but the truth is we just do that so we can sleep better at night without actually really being in the game. See, it, it, it's one thing to, to just shout about stuff. It's another thing to actually live it. It, it. It's one thing to come in here where, let's be honest, like, dude, it's so easy to worship Jesus in this room. Like, it, it, like if you find it hard to worship Jesus in this room, like, you've got a long way to go. I'm just saying that as kindly as possible. Because, like, someone is handing you donuts in the hallway. There's a dude out there in the parking lot like, here, 
Park in this spot. Someone opened the door for you. There's literally people watching your kids right now. I mean, come on. That is, that's awesome. Like, if you can't worship Jesus now, how are you going to worship Jesus when your boss is calling you every name in the book tomorrow morning? How are you going to worship Jesus when everything is, is, nobody's opening any doors and no one's giving you any donuts and everything that could be going wrong is going wrong? Is it because, well, we've settled for a shout rather than actually, well, living this thing? Have we settled for just coming for just inspiration and we haven't turned our inspiration into perspiration because I guarantee you're going to need it if the day comes and God forbid, Chris Stanley will tell you, you're going to need it the day if you're ever laying on the hospital bed with stage four cancer. You're going to need something more than a donut at the door. You're going to have to know that you know that you know that, well, can you worship him now when everything has gone wrong? See, you could wake up in the morning and you could do all your war shouts, but man, we need someone that could stand up and is actually willing to fight. What are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to die for? See, David had vision, vision that no one else saw. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, listen, without vision, the people perish. Vision, I'm defining as this, vision is the ability to see beyond what is to what could be. The ability to see beyond what is to what could be. Sight can see right in front of you. Vision sees beyond the surface. Uh, a blind woman, Helen Keller, once was asked, what's, what's worse, what's this terrible about having, being blind? And, and she responds by saying this, the only worse thing than being blind is having sight with no vision. To have sight with no vision. See, the children of Israel gathered out and they had sight, but they couldn't see beyond that hill. They couldn't see beyond a giant named Goliath. They had sight with no vision. What's blocking your vision? What giant? What is it by name that you've said, well, okay, God, you could go this far, this far and no further? What is blocking our vision? In the scriptures, there's this moment where uh, it's, it's after the resurrection, and the disciples have, have seen Jesus, and they're just, man, they're, this is awesome. This is a great moment. Resurrected Christ. But there's a problem. One of these dudes was late to the party. Thomas wasn't there. There's always that one late dude. And he shows up, and he's like, hey, guys, resurrections happen, Jesus. And Thomas is like, nah, I don't believe it. Nah, I don't believe it. Y'all served 1,900 sandwiches? Yeah, I don't believe it. I wasn't there. I gotta see it. I gotta touch it. I gotta feel it. I gotta taste it. I gotta do all these things. Show me the wound inside. I need to know it. And like, like he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas, but let's, let's be honest, like, we've all been there. We've all been like, I, I just need to see it, right? I need to see it. And, and I, I love the fact that Jesus shows up. He shows up to Thomas. He shows up on the scene. And he shows him, like, okay, here you go. Right, right here. Go ahead. Touch it. And, and then he says these words. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're blessed because you've seen it. But those who haven't seen, it's a whole other category. But those who haven't seen and yet believe, oh, 
those guys. Thomas, stop doubting and be a person of faith. Be a person that believes. Because here's the truth. There's going to be moments in your life where you've got to believe it before you see it. And if you live your entire life just waiting to see it in order for you to believe it, there will be times where you ain't going to. So there's moments where you've got to believe it in order to see it. I know what the doctors are saying. I know what's happening. I know it looks like my kids are getting crazier and crazier. I know, God, I know your word said that they'd come to Christ, but it doesn't look like it. There's times where you've got to believe it before you see it. I know, what, I know, I know they're saying all these things, but listen, God, I just believe. I just stand on your word even if I don't see it right now. You've got to believe it before you see it. You've got to have vision for it, which means you've got to have some faith for it. David had a different perspective. He had vision of a victory before this giant was even dead. Now, here's where it gets crazy. When when he goes to fight this giant, when he goes to fight Goliath, Goliath again taunts him. He's like, dude, who is this? Y'all send out this little boy to me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your body to the birds. And to which David responds, (laughs) hold on a second. I'm actually going to chop off your head and feed not only your body, but your men's bodies to the birds. You know what makes this so amazing? David didn't even have a sword. (laughs) David's looking at this giant in the eyes and like, I'm going to chop off your head and I don't even got a sword. Dude, that's some faith. That's, I'm going to take your, your sword from your hand and feed your body to the birds. I mean, dude, man, the confidence in this brother. I mean, I need some of this, David. I need some David in me. Come on. He had this relationship with Jesus. He had this relationship with his father that he just knew that, man, there is a God in Israel that is bigger than this giant. And I don't know about you, but like we as a church, we as a people, we need a revelation of Jesus. Because if we get a revelation of Jesus, all of the problems and all of the things that we're facing in life, all of a sudden, hold on, but this dude's bigger. But Jesus is bigger than this. I've got faith. But sometimes, listen, what? We've got to believe it before we see it. And it's this kind of thing of just like, what we'll find is the more we believe it, the more we see it, the more faith rises up, the more courage happens. But it happens in the lonely fields. It often doesn't happen just in the big groups. It happens in the moments where you're just alone with God and no one else sees. And you have a choice. Am I going to be the person that everyone else believes that I am? Am I going to be the person that I portray to the world that I am? Or have I just been living this lie Have I just been trying to have inspiration without perspiration? Have I just been trying to go on and on and really no vision at all, no passion at all, no faith at all? And I love it. I love that David comes on the scene and he's just like, something's going to change here. He had vision. He had passion. He had faith. You know what else he had? He had purpose. He had purpose. David looks at him and says, listen, The giant has taunted him, he says, listen, so that the world may know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone on this field, everyone will know that there is a God who rescues. Like, did you catch that? Wow. Like, David David has a very crystal clear purpose of why he is there. The reason why I'm going to do what I'm about to do, the reason why I'm going to kill this giant isn't for my glory, 
isn't so that everyone can shout the praises of David. The reason why I'm getting ready to kill this giant isn't because there's all, all types of benefits involved with what, what David's about to do. They've actually, Saul has gone out and he said, listen, whoever kills this giant, you get to marry the princess and you don't have to pay taxes at all, ever. To which, amazing, sign me up. And David's like, yeah, that's going to happen. I, I'm going to get the princess. I ain't going to pay no more taxes. But that ain't the reason why I'm doing this. That ain't the reason. The purpose is, listen, so that the world may know that there is a God in Israel and he rescues. That the people would see and know like all of this, what I'm about to do is for the glory of God. And I'm here to tell you, when you're going after your vision in life, when you're going after your passion, you have got to have a crystal clear purpose. Because if you do not know your why, you will get bogged down in the how. If you do not know why you're doing what you're doing, it's only a matter of time before you'll want to get up, give up because the how will, like, it'll fall apart. The how will not work out the way you think it should work out. The how has 17,000 twists and turns, and I didn't expect that, and I didn't see that coming. But if you know your why, I guarantee you, you will figure out your how. But if you don't know your why, you will give up when the how gets rough. There was a study done amongst 4,000 lead executives, uh, not in the Christian world. This is just lead executives in the business world. And there's these questions were asked about being successful in business. And they came to these two conclusions after surveying these 4,000 different high-end CEOs. And they came to these, these two conclusions. The one was this, the why matters. Every successful one had a crystal clear why on why they were doing what they were doing. And then the second one was this. If you know your why, you'll figure out your how. If you know your why, you'll figure out your how. If we're not careful, we will spend our whole lives trying to figure out how. And all we've really got to do is settle on the why. That Jesus, no matter what happens, it's worth it. God, I do what I do for your glory. God, I live this life. I have this marriage, and I love my wife. But first and foremost, this marriage is for your glory. God, I am so grateful for my kids. My kids are the love of my life. I don't know what I would do without my two girls. But first and foremost, as their father, all of the benefits I get from being their dad, the first thing is, God, it's for your glory. That I would raise these kids to be godly kids for your glory. And I get the how wrong all the time. But if I keep the why centered, I'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. We'll all figure it out. We've got to know our purpose. We've got to know our why. Because there will come a moment where you've got to fight for something that's bigger than you are. I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet. I'm asking the worship team to come back up. I don't want us to be a people that have sight with no vision. I don't want to be a people that we just have feelings with no faith. I don't want to be a people that it's simply inspiration that doesn't lead to perspiration. Man, that we would be a people that we're fully alive in Christ. And that means taking everything that God's given us 
It means taking worship to be not just Sunday mornings, that Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Thursday nights and every moment of every day that, God, you are glor- glorious and you're worthy and all of it. I'm asking us to bow our heads to close our eyes. Lord Jesus, maybe for some of us in this room that, that God, we've just kind of been boggled down on the how. We found ourselves getting up every morning. We've done our battle cries. But somehow, like, the fear just keeps winning. Somehow the giant just keeps shouting in our ears. And God, we go home in fear. And Lord, we know we sang the songs that we know fear is a liar. And so God, we repent as living as as if the fear were the truth. Because God, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so God, I pray over your people right now. Lord, that every man, woman, and child, Lord, that we would be a people, that we fulfill our calling, that we live out our purpose, that our lives would not just be dictated by feelings or inspiration or lack thereof, but God, that we're living for something bigger, we're living for something more, we're made for something more. Jesus, that you would get the glory in everything that we say and do. And God, I just ask, even at this moment, you would quicken within our hearts, you would quicken within our souls, of everyone in this room, that is, if there's anything that we've been neglecting, if there's anything that we've been just putting off in fear, any giants that we've made bigger than you, God, just bring them to our memory right now. Let us know what we need to do to conquer, to be a people of courage, of strength, of faith, of vision, of passion. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.